Yeah, do you want to introduce the show? And... You, yeah, I'll you introduce the Yeah. Okay. Now in partnership with the Westport Library and Quick Center for the Arts and iTunes, it's Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Trace Burroughs. And me, Migs Burroughs. And uh, today's guest is... Bill Briggs, William Briggs, and I, actually I'm going to introduce him um, by way of his uh, yearbook entry, the Staplelite yearbook from 1964. In quotes, Bill, cool guy, fun to be with, oh, yeah. friendly, he's got rhythm, tall, dark, <laughs> and handsome, resonant bass voice, outgoing, college ahead, activities, geek. Uh, Glee Club, I guess it says G Club. I guess that's Glee Club. Were you in the Glee Club? Absolutely. Yeah, the boys. I was president of the boys' Glee Club. Oh, were you? And uh, and the choir. And here's, I don't know, for the YouTube viewers out here, here's his yearbook picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't changed at all. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, well, your other, you know, minor distinction is that uh, besides touring, you toured with the Beatles with the one of Westport's, the, the Westport's most renowned uh, musicians, uh, The Remains. And um, we should probably start with that, I guess. I don't know, it's, uh, you, you didn't know, did you, Remains was Barry Tashin, I, who I knew. And I don't know, we weren't, I knew you, I knew of your class 64, I'm 63. Right. But so I, don't, I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure whether you were older than me or younger than me. Yeah, one year. Okay, so what's your year? When was your year of graduation? Me, sixty-eight. Yeah, okay. So you're just a kid. <laughs> yeah, I try to hold uh, on to that. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you want to hear about the remains? Is that well? What? Before you go into the remains, I'd like to say something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think Meg saw you first at Trudy Heller's, or maybe before. Well, and cool. so the first time I saw you, I saw you twice. It's, I saw you once at Staples and once at um, the Terpsichore uh, at the ice cream parlor. You know oh, that yeah. place? But anyhow, so yeah. I had a band. I had a local band. And after we saw you guys play, no exaggeration. I'm not just saying that we, <laughs> our minds were so blown away. And we left that place. And all we did, we... We talked about the band. We went back to my house and we we're just saying, we can't believe that band. It's unbelievable. It was so intense. You, you, you had this special, first of all, the energy, you were like a unit. I mean, the Beatles were a unit, but now in hindsight, looking, you guys had more actually energy than the Beatles did. And at the end of a few of your songs, you do this thing, we do double time. You know, like, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was like, you, you're just all in sync, like, like jumping up and down. And um, as a young musician, I was just like, this is like incredible. And, um, it you know, even to this day, you know, when I, I mentioned your band and of course the guys who were my age know about how insanely awesome the remains were. It wasn't just another band no, legendary. of the time. And that's what people talk about. It's the, the the greatest rock and roll band that never made it as big as they deserve to be. Um, 
Yeah, I always saw you with Trudy Howard. Well, I mean, I knew Barry, not, I was a close friend. I'm not a musician, Trace is, but I'm not. But uh, I went to see him at, you guys at Trudy Heller's. And then you were, I was invited back to your hotel room afterwards, I think, or your flop house, wherever you were staying. Flop house, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the, and like Trace said, the energy, now where did, is that, what's that, was that something you guys like, hey man, we got to really, you know, just freak out on, or was it just a natural crazy uh, camaraderie that, that made that happen? Well, I'd like to say that was it, but I don't really think so. And this is, this is kind of weird because in my mind, I've never really voiced this before, but in my mind, it was our perception of what some of the records that we liked mm-hmm. sounded like and why they sounded that way. So in other words, like how did the drummer get that thing, you know, and how did the guitar player get that sharp guitar attack? So, and Barry was in Europe uh, the summer before the remains just busking around and he happened to be in a club in uh, France, I think it was. And I think it was the first time that he'd ever indulged, uh, I'll leave it at that. And he went into the club and he saw this band and there were flashing lights and it really made an impression on him. Um, I'm not sure the name of the band, but he came back and he was staying at my house when he came back because his parents were out of town. So he stayed at my house for a couple of weeks and uh, told me about this experience that he'd had. Uh, and he came back, he said, I knew I had to start a band that had that kind of energy. Now, whether that was a misconception on his part mm-hmm. or not, uh i'm not sure to this day but the other thing was when you listen to those records and you heard the the drum sound and some of the older records too and the stones records were great too because they were recorded at chess the same thing kind of sound that that we always loved the blues so uh ironically with our misconception, you know, we thought the snare drum, you had to hit it really loud. So our drummer, Chip Damiani, uh, we got him to hit the drum really loud. And he was kind of an athletic guy, you know, and he was up for it. So, uh, and Barry would egg him on when we were playing. <laughs> and, it, and your chip would just, you know, and it, that in turn got the whole band going. And when you play six sets a night, six sets a week with a matinee on Sunday, you get pretty tight. So that's why, uh, you know, when Trace, when you came to see us that, yeah, we had that energy because uh, couldn't wait to flip that switch again. You know, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. It's so physically demanding. It's got to be. I mean, I know in the hotel room afterwards, I mean, you guys were, you know, you were relaxing with, you know, certain certain yeah. uh, consumables. But, uh, you know, who, who wouldn't? I mean, you guys were just you know, you must have lost 10 pounds each. Well, we went through, well, we didn't weigh much to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I think I weighed 150, 160 pounds, <laughs> you know, because who ate? What's that, you know? So, yeah, well, uh, we were able to do it because we were young. And then yeah. uh, after two years, we broke up. It's amazing. Right too. A lot of great bands only lasted two years, like The Cream. And, yeah. and it was nothing personal on our part that, that we broke up it was just uh we the record company wasn't promoting our record uh they didn't get it you know they really didn't get it i always thought that that first the epic that album they didn't um show 
the experience of listening to the remains. It was never, great songs, but they didn't have the intensity that that they wouldn't let us do it. They made us turn the amps down. This is the way it was done in those days. So yeah, they're too loud. You know, the the amplifier, or the microphones can't handle it. You got to turn it down. And you know, we compromised. We had it up a little bit more yeah. than they liked, but they didn't like the needles pegging themselves and on the board. So. Uh, <laughs> We never really got that. When we got down to Nashville and recorded with Billy Sherrill, he had a better feel for that sort of thing. So he did a little bit better job, those Nashville sessions. And then there was a guy named Ted Cooper, who was our last producer. He was up for anything. And he did uh, uh, Don't Look Back. Now, Don't Look Back had pretty good sound. Mm. That was more like it. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, that was uh, with our new drummer, Andy Smart. We, uh, Chip had decided not to go on the Beatles tour. And that's a whole other story. But uh, we respected his opinion. What's the, I can, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, one, I've read a couple of things about it. One was that he was afraid of the, any negative reception because of the opening for the Beatles, we're just going to get booed off stage. And so it was his fear. He couldn't, he was so insecure. He, he didn't want to deal with that. The other one was uh, and that his father forbid him to go. His dad wanted him to go through school and be a doctor. Right. right? So his father oh, yeah, said, right. don't waste your, don't waste your career, your life on this shit. You know? Yeah. I don't think that was it. No. Oh, what was yeah, it? I think it was just that he was, he was a little fearful of the, I mean, Chip, Chip had an ulcer. Oh, that was back in the days when you you know they didn't know that antibiotics could cure ulcers mm. so he was always constantly in pain with this ulcer oh, yeah. and it was a lot of whenever he was under duress it would be worse so before gigs i mean he would eat those uh tablets uh tums. Take, well not tums the locks yeah the drink yeah, yeah yeah and he'd get through it but it was not yeah. easy for him to do it and uh I think he just didn't, you know, having a health problem like that. Uh, I think he was smart in saying, I don't think this is a good idea for me to do this for many reasons. And we said, yeah, we get it, you know. And he wanted to be a little bit of a free spirit. I think he, he got one of those drive-away cars, a taxi cab, and drove it out to California with his buddy, you know. So just, you know, to take a break from it all. Do you think he truly didn't? I mean, I spoke to him like in his later years um, yeah. and he said, I don't, you know, I don't regret that, but I, I don't know. I, I um, do oh, think, what do you think? I, I don't know if I believed him completely. He regretted it. I mean, <laughs> I was, I was side, he said, yeah, I probably should, I probably should have done but it all worked out fine. You know, it is what it is. And it is what it is, right? Like everything. Yeah, and when after we broke, when, you know, after the last show on the Beatles tour in San Francisco, um, Barry, Barry, don't forget the responsibility that Barry Tashin had. You know, he was the leader of the band. He was the driving force. I mean, he was it, you know, and we were there to back him up, basically. So he had this uh, vision and and he just was burnt, you know, burnt. Mm. Um, Barry's a pretty sensitive guy and it took its toll. And it took him a long time to recuperate from that. Um, just, you know, getting back into a more relaxed mode and then deciding what was next for him. I mean, he did a lot of great stuff after that, uh, Graham Parsons. Yeah. Uh, 
Emmy Lou Harris. Yeah. Lou Harris, I mean, 25 years. I mean, I mean, he played some great music. And then we got back together again after yeah. years or whatever it was. And we played more gigs then than we did when we were originally together for two years. So, yeah. And Chip was back with us and we toured Europe a bunch of times. And we had a great time. So uh, everything worked out for the best. And now not every band is uh, going to be famous, you know. Right. Yeah. But did, did you didn't play with? I remember in 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 high school, Barry used to. I think his band was the Schemers, and he used to play out in the patio there. You know, when people would. And but you weren't. You didn't play with them then, did you? Were you part no. of the Schemers? No. In high school, uh, I played with Mike Hayden. Oh, yeah. And Mike Hayden was my mentor because I was a piano player. You know, I played piano in the basement. And, listen to all the Ray Charles records, but Mike Hayden was one of the few guys I knew of electric guitar and could sing. And he was really good. Um, and he showed me a lot and he had all the records. So I'd go over, his father was a famous author and his mother was an artist. And I'd go over there and it was just, you know, he had all the great records. We'd, we'd sit down, they had a piano there, he'd play the guitar and we just worked up a, a couple of sets and we, we had Rick Moltop who was uh, in our class as a sax player and he was real good he's a big time attorney now Rick Moltop um, so did you know had, Barry in high school hmm? did, were you friends with Barry in high well, school he was a year ahead so yeah. I knew of him he came over to Mike's house one time brought his guitar Mike invited him to come over and he came over and played and the three of us jammed it was so much fun it was great and uh so and then i think andy willauer had a party andy uh, willauer yeah. sounds like a familiar name somewhere. yeah andy willauer the downshifters downshifters sure michael douglas was part of that yeah right so uh i think i played barry and i played that gig uh at, at the willauer's party so i think we finally got a chance to play together so when he was a, a year ahead of me at BU, I came up in the, um, and visited uh, and played a couple of gigs with them. I don't really remember. Where, <laughs> uh, maybe Nichols College or something. So when I came up later on the next year to BU, uh, that's when the remains formed and it, we were together for a couple of years. So, yeah. so like when you were, I think people who are listening to this would love to hear um, like when you toured with the Beatles, like you were alone with the Beatles at different points, what, what did you guys talk about? Well, the reality is that we were with them all the time because we we're on the plane. Yeah. And I think it was, God, I don't know, 24 states in 30 days. Wow. It was intense. Sometimes two shows a day, fly in, you know, it rains. The next afternoon you have to play a matinee, get on a plane, fly to Chicago and play another thing that night so uh so we hung out you know we're on the plane a lot and sitting across from each other and they all, all had their own interests you know uh paul was in the back smoking hash and uh, <laughs> the other guys were you know paul had his uh, uh not paul uh, george had his uh ravi shankar music on and john was just like <laughs> spaced out <laughs> so we got we got you know we talked we're just a bunch of guys you know did, so, did yeah. they did they play it did they write any songs while you're there or try we we just interviewed 
Jim McCarty from the Yardbirds. And yeah. he talked about touring with them. And he said at one point in the dressing room, Paul came into the dressing room and said, hey, guys, I want you to hear a song I just wrote. And it was yesterday, but he hadn't had the lyrics yet. So it was scrambled eggs. And he just asked their opinion. I was wondering if that ever happened to you. Did they ever try out anything? No, yeah. no they never did. They were, I don't know how, you know, they were under a lot of stress too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on that tour. I mean, they had a lot of responsibility too. And they didn't travel with a lot of people. No. Uh, and neither did we. We had one guy, you know, that had to do everything, get our suits cleaned every day, find the cleaners that would do it on the spot and, and make a plane and or miss the plane and get on a train and try and catch up. You know, this is what this was the whole tour. It was always catch up. And I think limos were... late, you know. <laughs> Now you were quoted, I think it was you, in one article saying you can't remember ever making a nickel from that tour. Oh, supposedly, I think we got. Uh, you know, you had. I think the band was supposed to make ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars, but by the time we got done with expenses, the and, whole tour, ten thousand, and our accountant and our manager, and the, you know they all took a cut. I think I might have got a thousand dollars out. Oh. God. Out of the whole tour, yeah. out of the whole thing. Oh my! God. Oh my God! Hours and hours and days and days. After we wound up in California after the tour, the other guys flew back. Barry and I stayed. And I think we stayed at uh, Mario Peebles' house. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Day. And uh, you know, well, that's when we were trying to decide what to do next. So that's when we uh, we went back to. Uh, we finally flew back to Boston decided to uh, move on so we and you, in that article i think it's the same you read the same one makes it was a connecticut magazine uh that um so when you got to um la i forget where it said you were staying but someone took you around to all these other like mamas and papas you know um the the birds and 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 all that well, yeah barry did get to do that he went up to the hills and uh Went to Mama Cass's house, as I recall. I didn't go, oh. uh, but he met up with, you know, there was a big party and everybody had a great time, I guess. I was probably asleep under the bed. <laughs> I, I remember Migs in that time period. I don't know if this is which tour you're the one after, the same one. It was the Plaza Hotel and Migs said, I'm going to call up Barry. Do you remember this, Migs? And you're we're at our parents' house. And so Migs is calling up the Plaza Hotel and wants to speak to Barry. And of course I'm standing by on the side, like, like, you know, this is unbelievable. And like Barry says something like, yeah, we're, you know, we're smoking a joint with like the Beatles. And this is like before pot, the Beatles were always the clean band and the Stones were always like doing drugs. And so the idea that the Beatles were smoking pot, yeah. I guess it was a 66 or something was like, <laughs> what? I mean, yeah, yeah like, well, guess, guess what? Scandalous, yeah. Scandalous, yeah. You you didn't know nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Barry was Barry when he went to Europe. He came back with a little matchbox full, oh, yeah. and that lasted about about a year. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, yeah. And then pot was everywhere. You know, it was just, sure. Yeah. You know, once you smoke pot for a while, you don't really get high anymore. So kind of waste of time it's you're right um well you went on to you played with the kingsman the louis louis kingsman for a while that were you yeah, a yeah. session or you toured with them 
later? I did tour with them. They, uh, uh, Chip Gamiani, the drummer, got mono. Uh, and I think it was the summer of 65. So our manager said the, the Kingsman's organ player has to go into the National Guard for two weeks. Do you want to fill in for him on this tour? I said, why not? So they flew me out in some little plane, <laughs> frightening. You know, the guy, teenage pilot, circling. I said, where are you going to land? He said, I'm looking for a spot. You know, <laughs> oh, he, nice. He landed in a field. <laughs> and uh, and I, I met up with these guys and uh, toured on their bus. It was great. It was a great time was it? playing with them. Yeah, I knew all the songs. I didn't even know. I mean, they did a lot of covers. Yeah, so I, I, I auditioned for them in the late seventies, but I didn't. Get oh, you it. did? They came yeah, in, in California. Right. Yeah. You also auditioned for the remains too, didn't you? I also auditioned for the remains and didn't get any <laughs> the late version of the remains. And oh, I remember yeah. studying like I got every YouTube video of Chip yeah, yeah. Damiani, and I was going to be like, I oh, studied how he hit the cymbal, what kind of roles he did, everything. I hired a band and went to Factory oh, yeah. Underground in Norwalk, and you know, did a demo tape. You know, we played a few like main yeah. style songs. Yeah, I did my did best. You audition in, in uh, like tape. Yeah, can I, well, I sent it to uh, tape to Barry, I guess. Oh, okay. You and I guess he person. was going. No, he didn't. I didn't get to that level. <laughs> but yeah. I sent him. He says he he looked at the tape and uh, with forever reason is going a different direction. I mean, I was trying to be the hard, you know, Chip Jammy Andy type of drummer, which. I could do back, but different type of drumming. I was more of a keyboard yeah. drummer, but like, uh, you know, trying to do the chip thing, you know, and uh, whatever. I didn't get in, but I was excited. I thought, oh my God, what happens if, you know, if I get in, that would be like, like a dream. You know? Well, we had a guy, we did an audition. We actually auditioned three guys in uh, Stanford, I think, or Greenwich. I forget. We, there's a studio there. Oh, yeah. We used to rehearse when we played in New York. And so we had this audition there in the afternoon. We had these three guys come in and we chose the second guy. And we're all set to do it. And, uh, you know, and about 1130 that night, Barry's going to send the email, you know, we're all set. And we all had this epiphany, you know, like he's not the right guy. Stop. Oh, oh, really? Stop everything. <laughs> And it was so we actually decided on the on the third guy, who was a real pro, George Korea. He, he's out of uh, Rhode Island, and he's the one who did the last bunch of gigs with us that we did in Connecticut, and uh, I think that was three years ago now. And uh, yeah, we have, uh, and now you know our health is getting to the point where none of us are really healthy. I mean, I have. <laughs> A long list of medical issues and i'm fine but it, it's yeah. i'm a professional patient that's what i do oh, i'm trying to keep up with my medical status you know so uh that's yeah so and and Vern has never been in great health anyway so and he's not in good health so and uh you know barry's well i think we're done you know i think we probably are done uh, but, you never know but no, uh, yeah, a lot of you know, the last bunch of gigs we did, I think it was three years ago, we had it was great. You know, we we were on the money and we played these gigs and everybody loved it. And 
I think we're just going to leave it there. Yeah, nice yeah. way to go out at the top. Yeah. Now well, you. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, who wants to go out on a, you know, oh, these guys used to be good. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, everybody, you know, that ever saw you, heard about you, just they can't, you know, they, I mean, it's. A, I never, I never subscribed to like, you know, too old for it, but, you know, we were pretty damn old the last time we were doing it three years ago. We weren't kids. I'm 75, so we were all yeah. over 70. Jaggers, what? McCartney's 70. Well, he doesn't count. Him and Richards, they don't count. Yeah, yeah. I agree. He's like, he's <laughs> the devil. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I agree. He's, yeah, I mean, he looks like a, he's more active now than he was when he was 20 years old. Like I, don't, I don't know what's going on with him. Simon is, has a pact with the devil for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He looks like 50. And I won't tell you how old she is. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll, I have to ask one question. We'll be scolded if I don't ask. I, I, you're, you're, you had a very famous sister named mm -hmm. Marilyn Chambers. I mean, her Marilyn Briggs. She, she, I, yeah, I knew her as Marilyn Briggs. Marilyn Briggs, Marilyn Taylor, Marilyn Chambers. Uh, and, and what was that? Yeah. What was the brother and sister relationship like? I mean, did you? And, and what I'm just curious, the, you know, when people can look her up if they want to know why we're talking about her. But um, well, she was a porn star. That's yeah. Well, yeah. In, in simple words, yeah. adult. Yeah, she was an yeah. adult film star. Oh, that's yeah. a better what way to say it. Yeah. But what was it? I mean, growing up with her, was she uh, I mean, did you have a good relationship? And, and absolutely. But she was yeah. quite a bit younger than I. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. She was just a little kid to me you know she was my little sister and and janice who was my buddy you know was almost the same age as her. she was uh 13 months younger than me mm. so uh, you know and we always got along great but marilyn you know unfortunately i when she started coming in in her own i had already left town yeah right you know, so uh Did you stay in touch then, i mean but then later she would come to gigs and we I'm sure you know, would. stay in touch. And you know, so did you have any, when you found and, out that she was doing porn, did you did you have what well, are your what I were your thoughts on that at the time? It. I didn't have much to say about it because I wasn't in a profession that was <laughs> yeah, so <clean. laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I'm in a frowned on profession. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, out of scowls, you know. When so, when, uh, when I had my little local band, Marilyn and her buddies were our group groupies. Yeah. and uh, um, and I remember seeing her at the Leather Guild, which is where Tiffany's is. She worked there as a. Oh. And uh, she says, uh, "This is way before she got well known, and before she did those." modeling she was on you know ivory soap and on the other modeling jobs. Right, right. she says i just want to be very famous i was okay. no that was that's what she said and yeah yeah she did it yeah. yeah i actually i saw her about a year before she died at the black duck she was uh she was oh, with wow. a table for it was a high school reunion she was with a oh, bunch okay. of her friends yeah and i think i have a picture from that do you oh yeah yeah, yeah. first with someone else that i don't know one of her classmates yeah no, we did. very proper yeah no it was it was great to anyway you have just, to tell you i i've never seen one of her movies oh okay well that's so, a, there's a and, you know i'm her brother i'm not you know i'm no prude i i get it you know yeah and it well, was, one of your, I don't know, your classmates, he's a friend of mine, Jeff Simon. Did you, you remember Jeff Simon from your class? Vaguely, yeah. 
Well, he's a photographer. He has pictures. He claims that he took the headshots of Marilyn that got her the ivory soap job. I mean, a beautiful headshot, mm -hmm. just, you know, modeling yeah. shots. Sure. And um, he's, you know, anyway, um, he, I've seen them and they're wonderful. I mean, they're just modeling yeah. shots, but uh, yeah. he takes credit for that for what it's worth. But so what's what's next? Are you still doing? Uh, you were Porsche salesman for a long time. First of all, is it Porsche or Porsche? What do you prefer? It's what's, Porsche. Porsche. Okay. It sounds a little snooty, but it's yeah. Porsche. I, I had I had the cheap rip. I had the nine twenty four first few years. Oh, you had a Porsche then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nine twenty four was a great car. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a great car. Mid engine. Okay. You know, fifty fifty weight distribution. Yeah, I worked 35 years. I worked for Porsche. Wow, that's a long great, time. great job. I worked for the same company, the same family for almost 27 years, oh, 28 okay. years. So, and then, you know, uh, you know, they sold out because money, they got a lot of money. And uh, a new guy took over, uh, Herb Chambers, who's pretty famous in your neck of the woods. He's got a lot of stores mm. uh, all up and down the East Coast. And, and the, the corporate structure was not to my liking, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So I went to another dealership, and that didn't work out at all because it was that was a family-run business with two of the family working there. So forget that. It was way too far away. And then my wife died. Wow. She had cancer. So that was unexpected. She'd been sick for a couple of years. So, and that's when I just said, you know, I added up the money. <laughs> I said, you know, a couple of houses here and there. And I said, geez, you know, I don't have to work anymore. So I don't <clears> think I went. So it, when I was 61, I went in and said, I'm retiring. I said, when? I said, right now. <laughs> you got a cardboard box I can have. <laughs> And that's how I left. But it was a it was a different company, and it was a great job. And you know, it got me the money to do things that I wanted to do. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So, what what's your? I mean, do you still play music for yourself for your own pleasure, or do you? What do yeah. you? What, I mean, I play. Uh, I write. I record. I don't have. Any, I'm in California right now, and all my gears in Arizona at my other house, but. Uh, uh, I mean, I have a console here oh, that I wow. built, so all of my uh, recording equipment fits in the console and it's on wheels. Mm. So I have a baby grand out in the living room, which has thirty foot ceilings. So it's like mm. a basketball court. So it's a great place to record. Mm -hmm. and I have my you know regular piano out there, and I record in here. And I, I had a tune in. Um, what was it? An Andy Warhol documentary on HBO a couple of years ago. That's still it was a worldwide thing. It you know it made me a bunch of money, so it was nice. good. Wow! And cool. a couple other songs that I've you know I, I don't push it, but Barry's my publisher. Oh, is he? Yeah, so he's got a couple of my songs in uh, other places too. That's great. Well, indirectly, Barry's responsible for my art career because when I was in college, yeah. my parents my parents sent me a photograph of him saying "local boy makes good" or something, and it was a picture, a high contrast picture. And I, I don't know what inspired me. I never paint. I wasn't a an artist. For, I yeah. never painted. And I said, I you I, weren't an artist. You I are. wasn't at the time. Yeah. 
and and I painted. Well, you were you just didn't know it? Well, I guess I don't know. I painted this picture. I just had this impulse to paint this picture of Barry, mm. and then it got into a show, and his father ended up buying it. And Barry still has it. He sent me a picture of oh. it on his wall in Nashville. You did that picture? Yeah, the orange and black one. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen. He thought his father did that picture. No, his father bought it from me. Oh man, well, gave it to do. Barry. We zoom every Sunday. Yeah. So I'm gonna confront oh, him with this. <laughs> oh, oh, his father's well. I suppose. Well, they funny. just cleaned out his dad died a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. His stuff, and he has his, all his artwork. And his no. dad was a very prolific artist. Well, his father may have done a portrait of him too. Mine was very pop art, black and black and white, basically. Yeah, black, white, and orange. Yeah. Because we couldn't figure out is that Barry? Is that you? <laughs> we're saying Barry? Uh, Barry says I'm not sure who this is. I said Barry, that's you. It's a picture of you. Okay. Well, maybe it's a well. That's good because you're pretty. You're pretty famous. You got art all over the place, and you have showings. And oh, it's all local. I mean, Trace too. We're both in the same group, artist group here in Westport. So you know, we just put out. Place. And, yeah, we're both. We're both visual artists now. But um, and, and Trace, but Trace still sings and and does and music. Writes music. Right. He writes music as well and sings. Well, for example, one of the things I did recently is uh, at my in Arizona. I live in Scottsdale when I'm in Arizona, and uh, this guy, this band called Eden's Children, which is from Boston, back around the after we left, they were probably 67, 68, but we came back to Cambridge in '68 or so, and they were a local popular band. So this guy mentioned on Facebook, he was putting up videos that he uh, lived in Scottsdale. So I got a hold of him. I said, why don't you come over and play some music? So he did. He brought his video recorder and it's on Facebook. Of course, everything's on Facebook. (laughs) You can can go to my site and see the videos, but they're actually pretty good. You know, just never met the guy. Never had a conversation. Just came over and we played two musicians and no talking, no arrangements, nothing. Yeah. And it came, you know, we did three or four songs and it came off, you know, one takers. And you can just, it was, that's the way it should be. Oh, great. So, so people, if they're interested, I mean, do you have a website or should they just go to your Facebook page? Just, no, like, just Facebook page. That's yeah. the reason, but people say, why you weren't Facebook? It's a band thing, you know, yeah. for one thing. And it's also just because I have a lot of people that I know that uh, I like to keep in touch with. And I like Facebook. Yeah, well, that's that never did me wrong. That's what prompted me to I don't know why it came up, why I got tagged. I don't know if we're uh, but, you know, the thing of your van, that that beautiful Chevy van that you. uh, Oh, well, it wasn't beautiful. It was ugly as hell. Well, it's beautiful now. Well, yeah, no, it isn't. That's a model. Oh, well, the models, be, okay, you're right. The yeah. model, the little the, the model. white one's a model, right. The other but one. I took one of my pictures of Arizona and yeah, yeah. printed it on on regular paper, not glossy, yeah. folded it under and put the model on it. So, <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, I, I wish I had that truck back. Any last, but we're virtually out of time. Any, Trace, any last uh, thoughts? Um, burning questions. No, I, 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 I don't. <laughs> um, 
I mean, we could go on and on, but we could go on and on, you know, with the things. Sure. You tell stories all day. Well, I'm trying to write my memoirs. Oh, are you? Oh, it ain't easy because the chronology is so difficult. Did you keep a journal when you were doing all that stuff? No, 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 Barry did when he was was on the Beatles tour. Well, you wrote a book, Ticket to Ride, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't. So I'm having to call on all my friends who unfortunately have failing memories. That, you know, was when was that? Was it 68 or six? I mean, there was so much packed into such a short period of time in those mm-hmm. days. We were kids, you know. Anyway. And played on Ed Sullivan and Hullab- Oh, I wanted to say one little thing, anecdote. So I'm watching David Letterman about 14 years ago, which isn't that long in the scheme of the whole. And, and, and out of the blue, Letterman says to Paul Schaefer, who do you think would have been the next Beatles? And Paul said, the remains, That's which cool. I thought, what? I, you know, it's like, yeah. it excited me to hear. It's nice to have fans like Paul Schaefer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. The people that knew music that, you know, anyway, it's, uh, it's, you made your mark. You left a big, huge mark yeah. in the music business and, and people that were. Funny thing is now you're, you're reaching a point where you start to think about thinking about your mortality. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then it's like, oh my God, I've got all this stuff I got to finish. Yeah. yeah. And you say, well, you're only 75, man. You're not that old. Yeah, but. No, that's. One day at a time, you know. You better get it done. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I wanted to say I'm a trace too, because I'm the third. Oh. Bruno, they say trace or tray. Oh, tray. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Tra- yeah. Uno, dos, tres. Oh, oh. Greg's the third. Uno, dos, tres. Or. Yeah. <laughs> Un, dos, tres. Yeah. Trace is like 13 in Spanish, right? I don't know. That's uno, dos, tres. You can get one on <laughs> <laughs> There's a link there somewhere. Yeah. Boy, how do you guys get such a good lighting? <laughs> oh, I don't know. We're just... Uh... Meigs has like a skylight over his head, don't you, Meigs? Yeah, well, it's dark here now. But my uh... I position things. I have like a... I have like one of these happy light things you use in the winter that's supposed to make you not depressed, oh. which is basically <laughs> like LED. And that's really good for photography. And then I have another light and I just position it and hope for the best. I gotta try that, right? All I have is this. It doesn't, it's not very flattering. Well, you're on a self, you're using a selfie stick too, because you're in constant motion, I guess, right? No, I'm, that's my computer. Oh, why is it, why is it moving? <laughs> it's, moving. Around. it's sitting in my lap. Oh, oh, it's oh. my feet were up on the table. Oh, I see. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I only have one foot. Yeah, how did, did you lose that? To, was that cancer? Or how did you diabetes? Diabetes. Oh, wow. Oh. 51 years with type 1 diabetes. Wow. Nobody can believe I'm still alive. None of my doctors. And bladder cancer and lung cancer and Mm. all this other stuff but wow. i'm a firm believer in the medical community here yes. i stay fit as a yeah. fiddle yeah i think the greatest invention of all time better than the wheel or anything is profocol the stuff they give you when you like go under for an operation things they give you when, when you want to kill michael jackson <laughs> yeah because like there's no pain i mean pain is the worst enemy yeah. of mankind right and individually you get used to it you get used to it after uh, two years in the hospital yeah six that operations oh you get used to it it's crazy 
Uh, well, you've been a lot. You've got a lot of stories to tell, so please write the memoir. I uh, sure do. <laughs> and um, we'll have you back. And uh, yeah, I have a lot of friends who are going to want to look at this, uh, hear this episode. Well, I appreciate your Thanks. interest, and uh, it's always fun to talk. I'm glad I met you guys. I mean, Migs, we probably met, maybe. I don't know. Well, I knew of you in high school. I don't know why. Maybe because you were tall, dark, and handsome. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody in one of my fans who's still alive said I had smoldering good looks. Mm. I showed that to Barbara, and she laughed. <laughs> that, yeah, you could take that another way. Like it looks like you've been in a fire. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, well, thanks so much, Bill. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Your time. We'll talk again sometime. Okay. Later. Bye.